Preaching this morning is Reverend Carl Utley, Transitional General Presbyter for the Presbytery of the Peaks. Carl has led worship and preached with us a few times here at Second before. One of the many hats Carl wears includes caring for congregations following the loss of a pastor. He's with us today, following the Reverend Rachel Thompson Orfield's last Sunday with us a week ago. Carl, we are delighted that you are here. We're grateful for your support and your leadership. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Before I begin our scripture reading, I want to say thank you to uh, George and to Elizabeth and to Jen for the privilege of being in Second Presbyterian Church's house and in your homes for worship. Let us pray. Gracious God, by your spirit, ink on a page becomes a living, life-giving word, Jesus Christ. Speak to us, Lord, that we may hear your word and be strengthened to do your will. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Since Elizabeth alluded to the Psalm 107, I thought I might begin our readings with that word. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those who redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some went down to sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Listen now for God's word. On that day when the evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased, 
and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great awe. They said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the wave obey him? This is the word of God for the people of God. You may have noticed it has been cool lately. We've needed sweaters in, what is it, the month of June. And you've probably noticed that it has been wet lately. Stormy day after stormy day it's been. The winds out of the south moving in a counterclockwise direction, drawing in moisture from the coast or something like that. I still don't understand how you can have winds from the south and a cold front at the same time, but I guess maybe that's what is responsible for the storms. All I know is that when I look at Doppler radar, all I can see is a a mass of deep green and a wave of yellow and red moving from right to left. Like you, I've heard the weather alerts on my phone, which I always find to be startling, uh, even when they come through Alexa at home. It kind of disturbs the ears and the mind, but it's telling us that There's a warning, a flash flood warning, not a a watch, mind you, but a warning. The ground is saturated and the threat is imminent. Waves of wind, storm after storm, ground saturated. Does it strike you? as it does me, that the weather is imitating life. I know that a wave of grief is passing through Second Presbyterian Church, and I might add the Presbytery of the Peaks. The Lord saw fit, imagine it, to call Rachel to Nashville from Virginia to Tennessee. It makes you wonder what she did that was so bad. We wish her well, but it is sad to see her go, isn't it? And doesn't a pandemic make for an awkward, awkward farewell? I understand you had a a drive-by goodbye. What is that? So there is the wave of grief And then there's the matter of COVID-19. Dr. Fauci reminded us this weekend that we are yet still in the first wave of the pandemic, the first wave. And yet the data is all lit up, isn't it? Deep greens, yellows, and reds. 2,217,546 cases as of Friday, and that incidentally, was an advance of 20,000 deaths just from the 24-hour period before. 
119,535 deaths as of Friday, and conservative estimates suggest that we will probably see 200,000 deaths by October 1st. And those are just numbers in the United States. The new coronavirus is a worldwide infection, a worldwide storm. And then there is the matter of race. George Floyd died on May 25th, Brianna Taylor in March, and Ahmad Arbery in February. And I would name all their names, all the African Americans that have been murdered just in this year, except I've lost count. And the thing that we are learning as we listen to our African-American brothers and sisters is that this storm is old news to them. They have been terrified, living in fear longer than you and I have been alive. Wave after wave. Storm after storm isn't the ground saturated yet. Mark 4, 31 through 35 seemed like the right text for today. It depicts a violent storm on the Sea of Galilee. Apparently it was worse than most because even seasoned fishermen were terrified. We might even say they were scared to death. And out of that fear, the disciples lodge a protest. They look to their master, and of all things, they see Jesus fast asleep on a cushion. He's not faking sleep to avoid responsibility. No, he is not pretending. He is, as we would say, dead to this world. Jesus, is it of no concern to you that we are perishing? Teacher, is it of no concern to you that we are about to die? Think of the accusation in that. Think of the anger behind that. Do you remember the story about Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and how Jesus went to their home in Bethany only when he arrived, Lazarus had already died. First it is Martha, and then it is Mary who run to greet Jesus ahead of all the others, and their first words to him are, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In Mark 4, the disciples are having that kind of moment with Jesus. The story is no longer about the weather. It's about who Jesus is and whether he cares. Jesus' answer could not have been anticipated. See, what happens next had never been scripted 
for a human being. The text says he woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. That word rebuke, it's the same word that Jesus, when he rebuked Satan, it was the same word he rebuked Peter. Jesus said, in effect, to the wind, shut up now, peace, be still. And they obeyed. And then he said to the disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Think of the accusation that is. Think of the anger behind that. They couldn't have seen that coming. If you read in the Bible from beginning to the end, you'd find that only God talks that way. In the ancient world, the winds and the waves and clouds and thunder, all the lightning, they were all only God's to command. Remember Job? Remember when Job had had enough, he had suffered enough, and then some, he complains to God saying, Lord, it would have been better had I never been born. It's an angry accusation. And God answers Job, you recall, out of a whirlwind, out of a wind tunnel. And he says things like this, Job, where were you? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you know. Job, who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment, the dense clouds its wrap? When I imposed my limit for it, put on a bar indoors and said, You may come this far, no farther. Here, your prayed waves stop. Job, God demands, answer me if you know. And because Job is not God, he doesn't. It seems that Jesus was having that kind of moment with his disciples. When the storm comes, when the waves just keep on rolling, when the ground is saturated and the data is all lit up, Jesus, the Lord of creation. Jesus, the Lord of the church. Jesus, the Lord of our lives. God wants to know, do you trust me or not? Is your confidence in me or another? I must say that if I had written the Gospel of Mark, the, the story would have ended just before that. The story would have ended with the wind and the sea becoming calm and the disciples saying, whoa, who is this that even the elements obey him? 
The story would have ended there if I had been responsible. The disciples would have observed and said, okay, we all know who this is, who commands the winds and the waves, so let's just do what he says, and everyone, please, let's just get along. There would have been world peace starting right then. If I had written the story. But of course, that's not what really happened. What really happened next is critical. It is essential if you and I want to know how to live in the real world. I want you to notice that no one gets thrown overboard. That's a comfort. Jesus doesn't say anything else. The storm passes. The confrontation passes. The call to faith is heard and heeded. And the next thing we know, the disciples have put their oars in the water and they've pushed on to the other side. In short, they they kept following Jesus' lead. They put their oars in the water, they rowed to the other side, and they got on with the business of God's kingdom. See, what the disciples didn't know when they began the day is that waiting for them on the other side was a man possessed by demons. He was like a wild man that everybody feared. He was walking among the tombs of the Gerasenes. He was like a dead man, only he was alive and It appeared to everybody he was on steroids. He was out of control. See, there was, there was on the other side of this storm, yet another person in need of the healing, love, and touch, and grace of God. On the other side of that storm was a man who needed to be saved. makes me wonder if if Jesus sleeping in the boat was because he was resting because he knew what was coming next. His sleep said, I know what I'm doing. I know where we are going. I know the work that lies ahead, trust me. There are lives to save on the other side of that lake, on the other side of this storm. Friends, we don't know when COVID-19 will break. And we don't know when racism will breathe its last weak, putrid breath. And we don't know what kind of storms are still before us on the horizon. I don't know what they'll be, but I know there will be storms because that's the way it is. But God knows. And God knows what God is doing. God knows where we are headed, and God has lived through and brought us through countless storms before. 
for millions of years. And God will continue to do so. Our calling is to take up the oars, to get them in the water, and get to the other side with Jesus. Not, mind you, so that we can relax, not so that we can get back to normal, not so that we can simply be among friends again, but so that we can be about the work of God. That's always what's next. Healing the sick, helping the confused, lifting up the weak, binding up the brokenhearted, confronting evil, and recognizing God at the center of everything. Recognizing the Lord Jesus Christ at the center of our lives and his lordship of the church. Trust me, Jesus says. I know what I'm doing and God knows where we're going. So take up the oars and let's row. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.